1: Sitting in the luxurious corner booth at the Cafe Cafe with Ziggy Rodriguez, yes, and of course Thomas P. Dorian, yes, sir. So, so glad to guys have you guys here. And you notice that the the, the booth is a little more snug because we've, we've sweetened other folk in here. Better half's here, and this is my better half. Much better it's, half. It's Bess. Hi, Bess. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here with us because uh we're doing a really special show today. Uh, it's, this is your life. <laughs> about <laughs> so we are actually, uh, t- today we're going to talk about the wedding feast at Cana. Mm-hmm. I love that reading, and it happens to come up in the rotation uh, in our uh, churches today. And so uh, I thought, well, you know what? It's also neat to know that today I'm celebrating, well, with my wife, Thirty wonderful years. This is our thirty-first wedding anniversary. So congratulations! congratulations yeah, thank you, guys. thank you.
0: God bless thank you, you Beth.
1: Yeah, no, she <laughs> she is a, she's like she she doesn't have to worry about what happens to her. She's a saint. She yeah. has a halo. Yeah, yeah she See, is yeah, living on. living living purgatory, <laughs> uh, and that's okay. So she has worked through all that she has to work through just by being with me. Yeah. I still am struggling and have some work to do, but she's uh, she's good to go. Um, but we. <laughs> We are going to talk about, here's what we're going to do. Um, Now, we'll have to give credit to uh, Ziggy here, Sam. Always. (laughs) Who, um, our random topic generator for the Catholic Cafe, the official random topic generator.
2: He's good.
1: Uh, He came up with some ideas like, hey, you know, there's some interesting things we can look at with the the wedding at Cana, and we can just discuss some, there's like lots of different things, and he had written out like five possible sort of ways of looking at the wedding at Cana, and how we could interpret that, and mm-hmm. and how it could benefit us, etc., and and so as I was looking at that, I started coming up with more, and so we actually came up with a, with a pile, uh, and so I thought, here's what we're going to do, we're going to kind of just go through what the wedding at Cana might mean to us as individuals, as Catholics, as a church, um, and what we can glean from this, what the Holy Spirit might be telling us, and it's a lot more than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it's it's pretty deep stuff, you know. And so this is a way in which you can essentially grade your uh, your pastor's homily or or your your good deacon. Um, how do I know they 're good because they 're a deacon and so <laughs> so so what what are they going to preach about this weekend we 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 have here several different concepts in which they can uh, uh, they can possibly preach to, and so maybe if um, if they don't preach to one of these, you could bring them up to them or something. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> they'll love that. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll love it. Yeah, they'll love that. We're we're oh, always yeah, that's right. So so what we're going to do is uh, you, where I want to start though is because since I brought my lovely bride here, mm-hmm. and normally she's just in uh, you know sandwiched in between the two segments that we do here, All right. uh, our two uh, segments on on each episode. Uh, and today today, by the way, she's talking about Saint Thérèse of Lesieux so that. So that'd be a nice uh, little mm-hmm. top topic that she's going to uh, do for us later. But um, uh, I just thought we'd start with the sanctity of marriage. So if you look at the wedding at Cana and the fact that, it, well, it's it's basically says in the second chapter of John, on the third day there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage. And so, you know, what, is, what does it say about marriage that Jesus would make an appearance, and he would show up at this, at this wedding. It's an important deal. It's a big deal. And a lot of us will say that, that this is part of his establishing marriage as a sacrament. Yeah. Right? His witness to it, his, his presence there. And so in many ways, we can say that in our own marriages— excluding Sam of course he's not married we have hopes one day uh, <laughs> yes And do you have like an email address you'd like people to send their, their, their Elizabeth daughters no let's not do that that's probably not good um, I bet but, that happens now <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be awesome good for him let's hope it's a good little Catholic yeah. girl yeah <laughs> No, no. Sam's on, on his own. He's he's doing he's doing pretty good by himself there. Uh, and but. and work, yeah, but you never know. <laughs> uh, so like, what, you know, what we think about our own marriages and and the fact that Christ is present in our marriages, mm-hmm. right? We make we make a, a point of that, and, and the sacram- That's the beauty of the sacrament is that Christ is present in the sacraments. And so I'm going to ask Bess. She's her eyes just got real big. It's like no, no. Yes, yeah. That's why you're sitting here. You know, how is it that, you know, you can spend 31 years with me, you know, and, and really just like deal with all of my wit and my charm and my, she's now, she, now she's shaking her head side to side. So now I'm just teasing. So um, like, how, how do you know Christ is present in our marriage? That's a question I can ask you, right? Would you, would you know, I mean, what are ways in which we would know that Christ is present in our marriage? And, the, and now I'm moving the, I'm moving the mic over yeah, close there we to her. Are.
2: Just in our children and in our lives that Christ has given us.
1: So, See? our children, so the fruitfulness of our marriage. We have nine kids. Have I told everybody that? Yes, yes. I've told everybody times. that many, a million times. We're so proud of our nine children. And having just come through the holidays and experienced their presence is a reminder of Christ's presence in our life. And so, that's, a, that's true. Our, our children is like a ready made example. Um, Now, our kids who listen to this are going to go like, he thinks I'm Jesus, you know, and that's, that's, that's okay. You know, that's okay if they think that, because I hope that Christ is present in each one of them. Yes. Anyway, thank you for being my wife for 31 years. Thank you for being gonna, my husband. We just kissed <laughs> on air. That was the first on-air kiss at the Catholic Cafe. It's been 10 years. Man, you're scoring like major points today. <laughs> Big time. we are going to get in
0: the doghouse, and you're going to pop a CD of the show in with her. That's right. Hey, and, hey, oh, by the way, do you remember this,
2: honey? <laughs> Probably th- ever in
0: the doghouse <laughs> but as I'm thinking through what you're saying Deacon Jeff what comes to mind also is some of the you know in the Old Testament we hear about in the Psalms God turns our our tears into dancing you hear the uh, the woman who was once barren has now uh, been blessed with a child right you know the, and and you start asking ourselves if Jesus wasn't there at the wedding their sorrows they would have just been Without their sorrows, they would have thought, oh, well, we have a wedding that isn't... We're not right. able to celebrate. We aren't able to come together, and we're, we're missing a joy. And his presence, he takes that sorrow and he transforms it, and it is because of his presence and what he does there that joy is, is brought about and Amen. celebration is made possible. And you know,
1: the fact that uh, Bess would mention children you know, and, and fruitfulness, and his presence there, I don't know that whatever lovely couple... Was married at that. We don't know who that was, but I imagine they had a whole slew of kids. <laughs> hey, I would yes. imagine that that <laughs> that, that w- hmm. well in in their marriage that it would be fruitful, right? Because of his presence, because God makes things once barren fruitful, mm. right? And so that's a that's a that's a beautiful notion. So here's another one uh, that you can uh, we can see the whole Marian angle in mm-hmm. in the wedding at Cana when we read this story. We we see that um, basically. If we're asking something of Jesus, right? What 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 happens? What is a good way to get to Jesus? And that's through his mama,
2: intercessor,
1: right? Mm -hmm. So that Mary is an intercessor on our behalf. So that petitioning Jesus through Mary, it bears fruit as well. It's things happen when you go to his mother.
0: Well, Scott Hahn points out in uh, one of his writings on uh, I think "Hail Holy Queen" is his book that he wrote on the on the Blessed Mother, and one of the points that he focuses on is the fact that, you know, in the House of David, you had the king of the House of David, but you also had the queen mother. And people would petition the the, the king through the queen mother because it was understood that she had the king's best intentions and, you know, she would look after him. And so if that was an intention that she would be willing to take to him... That it would be heard, and you even he have accounts in the Old, right. Old Testament of the mother, whatever you ask, I will not deny you.
1: No, and that's beautiful. That's exactly right. And so what's interesting, it doesn't tell us specifically, you know, when the wine, it says, when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Mm. You know, and so I don't know if the young couple said, hey, uh, we heard that your son's kind of special and just want to let you know, Mm -hmm. we don't have any wine. We ran out of wine, Mm -hmm. right? And so the celebration must end and we don't want this week-long celebration that a typical Jewish wedding might have been to end, you know? And so it was brought to her attention, however it was, and she took care of business, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, we know the rest of the story, but... Um, And also just the fact that she would, this is interesting, where she just basically says, they have no wine. Yes. Right? That's the, it tells us that even when we're we're petitioning Mary, or Jesus through Mary, that there is a level of humility. Mm. Right? There's a simplicity. It's like, just state the case. You don't, she doesn't wax poetic. She doesn't you know, spend a lot of time talking to Jesus about the pros and cons of, of doing this or doing that or trying to build a case. She doesn't build a case. She basically states a simple fact. And so in that humility, um, you think about ourselves and what we can glean from that. And that is, if I need something, I just need to ask. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through a whole... Uh, you know, climb up this and down that and around that. And explain all these things. It's like, Let's Lord, get to the point. I, I'm I'm sad, or Lord, I'm uh, I'm grieving. Lord, I'm uh, I'm without a job. Lord, I, you know what is it that you need? Just tell him what you need.
0: You know, there's a priest here in our diocese. Every time he walks by a statue of Mary, he stops and he looks at her and he says, "I have no wine." And he waits to think about what are things that he's missing. You know, like, gosh, I just lost my temper at this person. I have no wine to not lose my temper, you know, and, and really inviting That's our good. listen like mother that. to intercede in that way. Yeah. yeah I, think, so
1: I think more often we need to recognize that we have no more. We don't we have no wine yeah. um, mm-hmm. because we're, 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 we're sad and pathetic on our own. Yes. Right. And so yeah. we need a savior. That's so recognizing our times in our lives when we need something more. You know, that's where we get it. And, and, and going through Mary is a good way to do that, mm-hmm. right? And that, and that level of humility. Um, and then also just the idea of uh, we see obedience at play here, right? And the fact that I, I love that Mary says, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> and, and those are sage words that uh, can be applied to every aspect in our life. Yes. Right? Not just to the wine stewards, right? But basically she's saying, um, look, if you, need, if, if you need it, just do whatever he tells you.
0: And it responds to our, you know, our separated brothers and sisters. Some of them have an issue of us going to marry with petitions and say, "Gosh, what if she's going to lead you away from Jesus?" And that's just not how it works. No, not at all. Her message is always, "Do whatever He tells you."
1: Yes, Amen. Now, so we've we've amen. we've covered several really cool things uh, so far. And there's more to more more to cover on the other side of this break. In fact, we, Bess has to get ready for her Saint Therese of Lisieux little talk she's going to do. Um, but before we do that. Uh, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, uh, Facebook, Twitter, like, share, comment, know, comment, <laughs> all the things that you need to do in the social media world. Uh, and also send me an email. I'd love to hear from you, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back.
2: I'm Bestemski, and this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the Order, but her persistence paid off by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. The superiors of the Order were impressed by her persistence and maturity, and allowed her to enter the Carmelite Order at the age of fifteen. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lesseux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, sitting here with my lovely wife, Bess, of 31 years. Hi, everyone. That's right. She's saying hi. That was her. And, uh, of <laughs> course, we got Ziggy Rodriguez, and we got uh, Patrick over there. I And his hair. <laughs> happy, happy birthday to you. That was my <laughs> Spongebob... <laughs> oh Was my.:
0: that our <laughs> That's right. That's
1: pretty good. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the wedding at Cana and all the different possible angles and ways you can uh, approach this particular gospel reading that comes to us in the second chapter of John. And we just finished talking specifically about uh, Mary's intercession, uh, going to Mary, and really this, the, the humility and trust that's required. Right when you're when you're asking Jesus for something, mm-hmm. mm. we have no wine. I just just be humble and just trust that He can take care of business. Right, and then certainly uh, that aspect of obedience that comes. Right. And so, and if you put those three things together, and you start to think about uh, humility and trust and obedience, you start to realize this is really a path to. If you want to look at like new wine in your life, mm. right? I have no wine, and and if, if we were to take the word wine and just replace it with you know, the spirit, mm-hmm. right? The Holy Spirit. And I just, I have no Holy Spirit. Lord, mm-hmm. I need the Holy Spirit. You can say that the path then is ultimately going to be humility and trust and obedience. Mm, that's right. And that's hard for us to do, isn't it, Tom? Very I'm difficult. looking specifically
0: at you. Oh, it's very, I'm the worst. I agree. <laughs> no argument here. I am not
1: going to, I got one finger pointing forward and three pointing yeah, back at me. no <laughs> argument for me, I promise. We're all in that same, in that same boat. But that's it's right. hard for us sometimes to be humble Uh, and to really ultimately trust God, but certainly Obedience is something that all of us struggle with. I mean, Sam especially. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to tell him put that checks mix down like fourteen times. And just well, and he he can't. In his defense, spotted. though, it's it's, it's delicious, delicious. <laughs> Good stuff right there.
0: I'm about to take his bag from him. So, so he presented some checks mix to me and said, "This
1: is crack." <laughs> it, it Say is. no to crack, though. And this was a test, and you failed. <laughs> you failed. That's okay. All right, I make the best checks mix ever. Oh, we okay. did a show on this. Did we? We, we, did. Did. <laughs> we did a show on this. Uh, but anyway, all that aside, we're getting off topic. Don't want to do that. Um, so, uh, really, the new wine of the Holy Spirit is, it comes to us in that way. It's just another thing you can glean from this particular uh, reading. Another thing I wanted to kind of throw out there, which is kind of like it seems like it's totally unrelated to everything. Mm-hmm. It's just, but it's something else that's contained in this beautiful little story. There's there's a part that I want to. Uh, I uh, don't want to read here. It starts in the in the ninth verse. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Now, you know, if you read that, you can read into that, and this is, this is, not something that you want to use as uh, ammunition for an argument with one of our separated brothers and sisters, but but I will tell you that there's a lot of people that will look at Catholics and think we're a bunch of drunkards, right? And they'll think that we you know we we encourage people to to get drunk and to that we have got you know beer at all our men's clubs meetings and whatnot. It's and, the stereotype, and, right? And then and then you'll and you'll also hear uh, uh, other faiths saying like, well, we we just use. Uh, grape juice at the commemoration of the Lord's supper you know because back then the the wine wasn't alcoholic well here here is is proof positive mm-hmm. Right, because the steward came to the the groom and said, why are you doing the good stuff? You're supposed to wait till everybody's drunk, right? And then, mm-hmm. then, then you pour out the, the, you know, then you start bringing the bad stuff because they don't know any better, Yeah, right? it's not <laughs> like
0: the more you drink good grape juice that eventually the bad grape juice <laughs> tastes better. No, they. no. <laughs> you'll, hey. Yeah, you'll
1: drink grape juice, mm-hmm. and you like, there's something wrong with this grape juice. <laughs> I'm
0: used to the best. But, <laughs> if, you've,
1: but if you've had, a, if you're a little tipsy, you've had a little too much wine, you know, you might be less... Uh, judgmental about what you're drinking and uh, and I guess what I, I just want to point out that like this is a way in which a Catholic can understand now, first of all, the Catholic Church does no in no way contones drunkenness right it's it's never good it's always bad um, but you know wine and you know, drinking a little wine to settle the stomach is, as Saint Paul tells Timothy, but then also just in moderation, these things are not evil and bad in and of themselves. But that being said, Jesus made wine and it was good wine. And, mm-hmm. and I, for someone to say that you should never drink, that's reading something into the Bible that's not there.
0: Yeah. Well, St. Thomas Aquinas, his quote
1: is uh, drink, drink until you're merry, but not to excess. There you go. <laughs> exactly right. And, you know, and some people take a little longer to get married than others, apparently. But, <laughs> but you're right. Excess is, is bad, right? But Mary, there's something uh, jubilant. Yes. You know, in in uh, having you know a glass of wine with friends, it's, it's relaxing. It, and, you know, so it's like to, to look at wine and say, well, you should never have it. Well,
0: St. Dominic would roll up to uh, the friaries and also the convents where the sisters were, and he would bring a whole cart of wine. He
1: actually rolled in on the cart, didn't he? he was- yes, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs>
0: and he would encourage them to have a night where he, they would all drink together. And it was precisely so they could
1: just form have a have a night of of, of celebrating with friends. So there you have it. You uh, you you heard it. The Catholics and the the you know the Saint Dominic keg parties. Um, there here they are. This is where it, where it got the, uh, the beginning. Now again, we want to caution people from excessive drinking. It's never good. But right. Saint Dominic, you know, and having all the. Sisters or monks or whatever, you know, having a little something there. There's nothing wrong with that, right? They I'm still just, made a mistake. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly right. All right. So let's go on with uh, other things in which you can glean out of the the wedding at Cana story. Um, and one is, is like just the the miraculous aspect of it. Mm. So this thing takes place in the second chapter. Of, of the Gospel of John. So it's the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. So he's, he's just been to see John the Baptist and John the Baptist just said, Behold the Lamb of God, you know, and he's identified by Nathaniel, And, uh, and so and it's like, and then next, this happens. And so essentially this is, this is what is, maybe a small T tradition in the church, that this is Jesus' first public miracle. Mm. But we can read into that a lot of things. We can look at that and first of all that, first of all, number one, Jesus is divine. Yes. Right. Only the divine person is going to be able to do a miracle. I mean, it may be uh, a, a you know luck that you were able to you know hit a half court shot and win a million dollars or whatever. But Jesus would be able to do it every time. They'd never let Jesus do the half court shot. Would he? <laughs> you know? It's like no, that's not going to happen. But but because um, it because the divine um, is is miraculous, right? Yes. And all think about all the things that Jesus did in his life. I mean, and essentially, you know, his dying on the cross. Uh, to save each one of us for all eternity, uh, that one that one sacrifice for all is miraculous,
0: right? But it's who he is. Well, you know, in other sections of the New Testament, he's constantly, when he's performing miracles, he's telling the person, hey, don't tell anybody I did this for right. you, right. right? Not
1: so here. Like, he is doing this as a public, public manif- right. manifestation. Mm-hmm. So then also, in, in this, this is the idea of this public ministry, tells us that Jesus is doing this for... Um, for all of us, mm-hmm. right? It's so not he doesn't just go to a private house in a private setting and and say, "Look, I'm going to do this little miracle here, I'm spice up this party." But sh- yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there's no <laughs> shush. It's like, and after this, you know, they're talking, right? You know, that's like they're doing that. So, so that miraculous aspect of this is another thing that could be talked about. And then uh, I just I love the idea that um, from this we can we can we can garner this, and that is that Jesus came to he he comes to us. In all of those big events in our life, but also in in, in day-to-day events. I mean, he comes to us where we are. So if we're at the wedding, if we're at the baptism, if we're in the hospital around the sick person or the dying person, if we're at the funeral home, Jesus is there in those everyday events with us. In other words, we're not separated from him. Mm -hmm. And his presence at a wedding tells us that he wants to encounter us in every aspect of our lives. So you don't want to say, well, this is my, you know, I'm going to the casino and I'm not taking Jesus with me. Well that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Take Jesus to the casino. I'm not saying you should go and gamble all your money away, but <laughs> but you understand it's like stop putting him in a box and saying he only belongs in this my little holy sacred box. He's in all your life. Right, he's all everywhere. The and especially in something as life giving and is fruit bearing as a marriage. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. needs to be. So he blesses marriage. We can go back to the sanctity of, 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 uh, of marriage. And my wife here, sitting here, 30 wonderful years with her. Uh, we're not endorsing Baskin Robbins, by the way, although we do like Baskin Robbins.
0: <laughs> well, and Jesus is the Word, right? The Word made flesh. And he's co eternal with the Father. What was the Word spoken in Genesis? Well, one of the words was, it's not right for man to be alone. As, That's right. You know, and, and so is that Word there in the flesh who is uh, honoring that. That's right. By bringing about this first miracle and
1: blessing mm-hmm. this union. And blessing a union and be fruitful and multiply. I mean, you start to realize all this stuff is connected. And that kind of leads me sort of where I wanted to end on this 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 conversation really is that I, sometimes we don't realize this, but Scripture is so deep. Mm. It is so profound. And, and, and really, like the Holy Spirit can you know he teaches us he leads us he guides us he consoles us he inspires us in so many different ways it's like this multifaceted diamond you know it's just so beautiful from any angle that you're looking at it so this story is it helps us to understand that don't just this is not just about marriage or it's not just about a miracle or it's not just about wine it's not just about this 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 or this it's about all those things and when you start to realize that you start to realize that the teachings of the church because they are, essentially the church is the mouthpiece of God, that means that everything is connected. Mm. This is why there's no cafeteria Catholicism allowed. You, you can't say, I believe this, but I don't believe that, because they're connected. Right? Mm. You can't say, I don't believe in the miracle worker Jesus, but I do believe in this or that. It's all together, and this is why we should study our scriptures, study our faith, and you know what? And study our marriage. Right, Bess?
2: Study our Mary.
1: That's right. So beautiful. All right, so let's ask the Blessed Mother now to intercede on our behalf in the same way she did at the wedding at Cana. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, sinners, now at the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com